From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. And I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, Managing Editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. It's Thursday, January 26th. lender Genesis has filed for bankruptcy. For many observers in crypto, this wasn't entirely unexpected, not least because the company itself had been warning that it was staring down a liquidity crisis and trying to raise money. Over the past few weeks, Barry Silbert, who is the CEO of the Genesis parent company, which is known as Digital Currency Group, or DCG, has been in a very public and increasingly nasty online dispute with some fellow billionaires. On the one hand, you have Silbert himself, and on the other, you have the famous twins, Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss, who are the co-founders of the Gemini Crypto Exchange. I know that's a lot of billionaires and that's a lot of Gs, but this is important. At the heart of this dispute is around $900 million worth of funds that have been tied up in the fight between these two companies. And the result, and this is the important part, is that customers are the ones who've lost access to their cash and to their tokens. In this episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about what Genesis was as a crypto lender, why it was so important to the crypto ecosystem, and what their relationship is with Gemini, aka the exchange owned by those famous twins. You might have seen them in the social network. I'm really happy to be in the studio today with two of my colleagues in person, Bloomberg senior editor Anna Herrera. It's an institutional sort of B2B facing business that, you know, went under. And Bloomberg reporter Emily Nicole. We're definitely seeing pain across all lenders and it all comes back to this lack of due diligence that is conducted. Anna, We've covered over the course of however long it's been, because what is time in this market? Multiple systemically important crypto companies filing for bankruptcy. The latest and most recent of these being Genesis. Tell our listeners a little bit about what Genesis is, what it was and how it got here. Genesis is one of the companies of a group called Digital Currency Group, which was founded by a man called Barry Silbert, who was one of the original crypto OG sort of companies. It played a very key role in helping crypto become more of a big market, institutional market. It started off as being broker, essentially. It would be, it was one of the biggest desks where you could go as an institution and say, I want 50 million worth of Bitcoin Mm -hmm. at the time where the liquidity on the exchanges was very low. And so you couldn't do that on an exchange because it would crash the exchange. And What's interesting was at the time, which is a fun fact, the market used to be run on Skype, which is very weird. I remember I used to like message traders on Skype and this is like 2016. And Genesis was one of the players who like you could just message them on Skype to buy 50 million 
and then you could buy your your crypto that way. So there was no like formal infrastructure, but they were registered with FINRA at the time. So they were among the more like buttoned up sort of crypto players. They then also started doing lending, mm -hmm. mostly lending. So at the beginning, so that you could like leverage your trade. So if you were a trader, you wanted to have more money to, to bet, you could borrow from them. And that that really exploded and became sort of a driver of the business. And it took a life of its own. And it was very central to like the lending boom in crypto. Mm -hmm. I think it, they lent around 130 billion in 2021. And then obviously, as we know now, lending was really at the heart of the crisis. And so, you know, the crisis for Genesis specifically. Yes, but also for crypto in general. Right. So mm -hmm. like everybody who had a big lending arm, it turned out the checks weren't really great. The risk management wasn't really great. And so then you had this interconnected web of like really bad loans, risky trades and very bad risk management, no disclosures. And so when one started crumbling, the other started cascading. And so to that point, like, I suppose one of the original dominoes was three hours capital. What how much money had Genesis lent to them? A lot. More than a billion dollars. Yes. Uh, yeah. One point two billion dollars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I remember they had lent a lot. And that was sort of the beginning. Right. Like if you're if if you're like a lender and you sit in the middle middle or you're a desk, then you're everybody's counterparty, which means if one starts defaulting, then you start getting a hole here, a hole there and the hits start becoming too much. And so what essentially happened was I think the last blow was FTX. They had also lent to them. And so the first thing that happened was that they were gonna, they shut down lending and they said their brokerage was fine. And then they were raising money. I guess they weren't able to raise money, so they filed for bankruptcy. And they left then another list of people who might have their own problems now because they have another hole with someone else. So it, it's it's quite important because, again, if you've been following crypto for many years, Genesis was sort of an like an institution in the market, right? Like mm -hmm. they filled a, a very important role. They've said that the broker they didn't the brokerage business hasn't filed, right? The trading business hasn't filed for bankruptcy, but obviously, you know. It's part of an empire that's not doing great if if the main sort of driver of growth was the lending part and it, it's now been hit. And Emily, you have written a couple of stories. Well, everybody at this point has written more than a couple of stories. But recently, in the past couple of weeks, you've written stories about, to Anna's point, who some of those counterparties were, what the systemic connections were and what the collapse of the you know Genesis lending business and entity means for the rest of the market. Tell our listeners a little bit more about what you've been reporting on. So we did a story at the end of 2022, which tried to map out exactly what the knock-on effects were throughout the year that led to crypto being where it is now. And crypto lenders and Genesis specifically were very present throughout all of that. I like to say that they were kind of like the harbingers of, of what was going wrong in crypto throughout the year because you would find a lender at the center of almost everything. So even if we take something that was very market-based, like the collapse of Terra, which is the stablecoin ecosystem, at the heart of that, you still had lenders that were offering returns of almost 20% to mm -hmm. investors, which then made the collapse even worse because it hurt more people. Those lenders had then lost money because they had been lending to other people who had made risky bets and so on and so forth. And that's where we get to today with Genesis. It was affected in, in the collapse of Three Arrows Capital, which in turn was affected by Terra. And then, as Anna said, it was affected by FTX. And so being a lender, lender that is that important to the industry, it's going to be implicated on several occasions throughout the year. And it's not the only one. We had a London-based crypto lender called Nexo uh, agreed to pay $45 million in fines to the SEC in various US states. Without admitting or denying guilt or responsibility in any way. Yes. 
at the start of this year and it had already pulled out of the US market because of issues that a different lender called BlockFi was experiencing at the start of 2022 in the US and BlockFi itself has now also filed for bankruptcy so we're definitely seeing pain across all lenders and it all comes back to this lack of due diligence that is conducted. Well, it certainly comes back to or it reflects a lack of due diligence. How are folks planning to move forward in this new environment? Like, is is crypto lending over? Some say that there is a, a bit more of an effort among those who are still around to do more due diligence. So, for example, there are some lenders that do something called uncollateralized lending, where instead of asking you to put up a really large amount of collateral, that if in the case that you're unable to repay, they can just liquidate that and take that as your debt. They conduct excessive due diligence to make sure that you might be able to. I'm just going to put excessive in scare quotes that nobody can see because this is a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so far, that has sort of worked and sort of not. There have been defaults, but this is also a bear market. So you have to expect that there would be some. And those originated because the company involved was accused of lying about their financial standing. And so the due diligence is only as good as the the truth that you expect to receive. Right. Um, You can have the best documents in the world, but those documents could be fraudulent. Yeah. And then beyond that, there's also decentralized markets. So markets that don't require a company or a, a person behind a uh, like a computer to be pushing a button, say, yes, I'll lend to you. Yes, you can borrow from me. And those are likely to become more popular among probably the crypto traders that are used to being able to get money from places like Genesis, as long as the liquidity is there to support it, which at the minute is not very high. But it is also likely to be the ire of regulators that want to make sure this market is in check. Well, and I want to ask you about that because, you know, to your point, 50 million in Bitcoin was not the kind of trade that you could go to like a decentralized entity or a smaller entity and expect to have that be be feasible. Who are the institutional players or are there any institutional players that could foreseeably fill the gap that is currently left by Genesis Lending? I'm not sure. Like we are hearing people are really mumbling about the fact, mumbling and not wanting to like go on the record, but that that, that there is big opportunities to be had in prime brokerage in sort of lending to, to traders because like a void has been left. And just going back to the point of like due diligence and like collateral, like I think it's important to reinforce how it was like really, really bad due diligence. Not like, you know, we've seen instances where, you know, people kept lending to three hours capital even after like there were doubts about their solvency. And also like one thing like people never raised was I remember asking, you know, in the early days of lending, it just seemed like it could be like a bit of a house of cards because I just thought if the collateral is Bitcoin and Bitcoin goes down, then like it could be like a mess. But I'd never actually imagined that the collateral might not even be Bitcoin. It could be something like a lot less sturdy, like Mm. FTT or like tokens that are like known as shit coins. So if the, I I can't find a, a, like iffy tokens, I think we call them (laughs) in your story, was the word I came out with, with, iffy tokens. But like, you know, if the, if what the, the guarantee that you essentially give to a lender is something that's worthless or might be going to zero in like three seconds, then you can have all the collateral you want, but it's like, you know, worthless. And I remember being told, oh, like, don't worry, these loans are solid because they're over collateralized compared to like normal loans. But, you know, I still get angry at myself for not saying, all right, but what's the collateral? And I think that that's quite key. And, you know, people have said, yeah, the due diligence was really bad, but it was like, I don't think it's it, you can stress enough how like high level it was and how bad it was. So, high level and like lack of attention to yeah, details. Yeah. Now, Anna, one of the other things that has been playing out to your point about counterparties is that Genesis was also pivotal or had a pivotal relationship with a company called Gemini, which 
if if folks know about them, they know about them because they're associated with Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss. Now, what was that relationship and why has it now gotten to the point where the Winklevi and Barry Silbert are fighting on Twitter? So basically, if you're a lender, you need to have money to lend. And what do banks do? They take deposits and they lend them out, right? So what was happening was essentially these lenders were de facto banks, but they weren't regulated as banks. So it meant your money was not guaranteed by the FDIC or whoever. So in 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 the case of Genesis and Gemini, Gemini, which is an exchange, would take money from depositors, like normal people who like retail investors, and then they would, would give it to Genesis, would then lend it on to someone else. And you as a depositor would get interest back. And the interest was quite high because it was very, very risky because it wasn't insured and because you weren't a bank. And, you know, and it was also at a time where bank interest were like you would get zero percent on your money. So it was quite appealing. So what happened, obviously, is when three hours started falling, they couldn't pay back the money. So they they froze the money that they owed to Gemini or that was really Gemini's customers funds. And so now there's around 900 million that's locked up there. And basically it's money that normal investors had with Gemini. They thought it was like deposited, but it was really given to someone else to, to lend out. Up next, you'll hear more from Anna Herrera and from Emily Nicole on the Genesis bankruptcy. We'll be right back. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. One of the most common catchphrases in all of crypto is do your own research. And when I hear these stories, whether about the institutional lenders, whether about the retail investors, everything that you're describing to me sounds like, in addition to the outright fraud in some cases, a gigantic failure of doing one's own research. How sustainable is this as a theory? Like, how much can you realistically expect, whether it's sophisticated players or normal people just trying to make a quick yield to read through pages and pages and pages of legalese and, you know, determine for themselves what's going on here. So the problem is the terms of service might have said these things, but then you also had executives and the industry as a whole sort of saying like, calling this like deposits and bank, like using terminologies that, that is normally attached to banks. And so people that aren't like financial experts, they assume bank deposits, it's insured. In some cases, we've actually had instances in which the FDIC warned warned executives from, from like alluding to the fact that they might have FDIC insurance, which they did not. Including Brett Harrison when he was president of FTX exactly. US. I didn't want to mentioned, but <laughs> yes, specifically. So, you know, I was speaking to someone for a story who lost his entire savings and he admitted it's not much, but it's what we had with the family. Because I, I I read somewhere they had FDIC insurance and I told him it wasn't actually a mistake. They, they actually did say, so it, it doesn't make you feel much better because you have lost your savings, but you know, at least you don't feel like it was your fault. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's a bit unfair to just blame the user, like if it's one or two people, but when it's millions of people who mm-hmm. kind of didn't, you know, realize, then perhaps there is some like, thinking that people need to do about, you know, whether they gave the idea that it was 
like very safe. And also like in other areas of finance, then you have maybe regulators that are watching things a bit more closely Mm -hmm. and that step in a bit earlier. Right. And they had started stepping in with lending, but perhaps they needed to shut down things before rather than before or find people for the terminology that was being used like there's a point where you need someone policing actively or else, you know. Right. And not just after the fact. And Emily, you've written about the, shall we say, theoretical potential, maybe uptick in consumer enforcement and consumer protection enforcement across the world on this front. There's a few things in play here. And in, for example, in the case of Genesis, just to get back to, to that as our topic, the SEC has, has said that it wants to sue Gemini and Genesis over the arrangement that they had that has led to this money being locked up. And there's even a question of you know whether or not the two should have been able to come to some kind of arrangement like this, because actually throughout 2022, we've almost become used to this idea that crypto lenders would rehypothecate user assets that are deposited with them. But it was almost done, you know behind closed doors you didn't really know yes it was there in the terms of service if you looked but you didn't really know where the money was going with with gemini they, they told you it was going to genesis mm-hmm. um and so even though it was you know all there in black and white should that kind of extrapolation been allowed to have happened elsewhere though there is obviously concern about whether or not it is even possible to protect consumers with crypto because it's so volatile and because it's really hard to tell what's going on sometimes in the uk for example we have something called the financial services compensation scheme which is used to protect customer deposits at banks i want to pause there because americans when they hear scheme they're like ooh dodgy (laughs) (laughs) but in the in the uk context it's just this is a plan (laughs) yeah yeah and the regulator here the financial conduct authority came out and said even if we put in a a regime to regulate crypto and we make it so that it's like totally you know under our oversight and everything which is what they hope to do in time it is very unlikely that crypto assets would ever be eligible to be under the fsds because it's just too difficult to make sure that we could for example as a as a regulator as a nation be able to say yes up to eighty thousand pounds of your money if it's with an institution that is under that bracket could be repaid to you in the event of default what is the biggest takeaway of the genesis bankruptcy one of the most interesting things about genesis compared to the other bankruptcies that we've looked at is that this is one of the first ones where we've actually been able to see a bit of a paper trail. It's one where we have more understanding about what the organizational hierarchy of Genesis and its parent digital currency group looks like mm-hmm. and where the relevant parties are. And that makes it more easy for us to be able to see things like, for example, Genesis had several loans out to its parent. So it wasn't just that it was getting tied up in a daisy chain of collapses outside of its own control, but also things were happening internally as well that is now creating complicated creditor arrangements. Um And that's something that is a little bit more helpful, I guess, in terms of trying to understand how this bankruptcy might unfold, because it is more akin to a TradFi one than we've had so far. Yeah, because, you know, Genesis was kind of like a bit of a traditional finance player in a way Mm -hmm. for, you know, much of Barry Silbert's kind of group and his, you know, push at the beginning was to make Bitcoin an asset and crypto an asset that was more investable for like mainstream investors and Wall Street. And you're right, like it's not just one of those like consumer and, and it's not just a consumer startup, right? Like it's a institutional sort of B2B facing business that, you know, went under. And so the types of creditors it has are all also other institutions. That was a bit also like FTX. They also had lots of other businesses, but this in a way is like 
you know, a bit of a crypto grown up collapsing rather than, mm-hmm. you know, the kids in the room. Well, Anna, Emily, it sounds like we're always going to have more to talk about. So thank you for being on the show today. Thank you. That was Bloomberg senior editor Anna Herrera and Bloomberg reporter Emily Nicole. You can find more of their reporting on the Bloomberg terminal and on Bloomberg.com. And of course, check out our twice weekly newsletter, which is also called Bloomberg Crypto. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producers are Mohamed Farouk and Sharon Bariro. Our associate producers are Ty Butler and Moses Undam. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidron. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. We'll be back tomorrow. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.